might find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. And we thank you, Father, that we need you on a consistent basis. You know our need. You know what we're called to do. And we know we can do nothing without you. So we thank you for enabling us, gracing us with your abilities. And we thank you, Lord, that we will understand these things greater in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk a little bit about the grace factor or I have some notes on grace because I I see that's a, a hot topic now. You know, it gets hot for a minute and then it's cool again. It's like everything that floats through the body of Christ, you know. It would be nice if we could grab onto some things and embrace them fully and uh, build upon that. And um, so if, if we're not in the, the mind to build and incorporate that into our everyday lives it doesn't avail us very much so we're we do need to talk about the grace of God because it it is something that uh, it permeates everything that we do it's it's something that I think sometimes is a little poorly understood but taken for granted and then abandoned because we don't uh, understand fully how to incorporate it into our daily lives so I think what what we can do though is get greater understanding uh, because like faith it is a, a continual portion of our uh, portion of God what's got what God has given us in order to enable us to live for him and to accomplish his will here on this earth um, <clears throat> so I thought I might read a, a gracious statement to you from the Apostle Paul it's in Romans chapter Chapter 1 he says Paul verse 1 Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship so grace is different than the anointing it's different from the work that you're called to do it's different from the office that you're called to for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name we're called uh, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith so you receive he received his apostleship so that he could be obedient to the message of the gospel before all nations among whom you are also called of Jesus Christ to all that be at Rome beloved of God called to be saints so he's called to apostleship he's writing to all those who are called to be saints doesn't say that there's no apostles or prophets there he just knows he's writing to those who are called to be saints and he says grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ so this grace is not his manufacture he says it's coming from God and from the Lord Jesus Christ got it so there must be an origin for these things these divine things or these uh, God things or, or God impartations or um, spirits of God spiritual forces that we receive so the source is God and he says that 
First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. In other words he's not these aren't his personal people. He's thanking them through Jesus Christ. It's through Christ that he's able to do this. It's through Christ that he's able to have relationship with these people. So there's probably no reason to contact people were it, were it not for their mutual connection to the Lord. And he says <clears throat> that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. In other words, people everywhere have heard about the church that's at Rome. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. Now why does he say all these things? Why is he nitpicking, picking apart and instead of saying bless you brother. <laughs> he says I serve God with my spirit. Because the, the uh, Jewish people served him under the law through the flesh. So there's a difference. There's a distinction that must be made because he used to be of that bunch. You know I mean? Whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. That without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you. Not personal again. You got me? It ain't personal. It's only business. So why does he want to see them? Because you my my peeps, my pals. We go kick it when I get there. And we go. No, that he wants to impart some spiritual gift to them. That's much more valuable to you than making friends out of a preacher. Kicking it with them or saying you belong to this because it's well known or that. You got me? That he wants to impart some spiritual gift to the end that you might be established. So he says I'm still doing the work of the apostle among you. And when I come to see you I want to see you to impart a spiritual gift to you. Not to try and blow you up and tell you how wonderful you are and all that kind of stuff. And and we just talk about our reputation in the city and we're going to build a bigger sanctuary. And we're going to take over the world and he's not talking about that. He's talking about a establishing these people as individuals and having a relationship with them where they individually receive something from God through him. I must say it again because it bears repeating because most of what is communicated to church congregations is not on this level. We can get pastors saying I want to come so I can cause you to grow up in your spirit. I'm coming because God has has imparted to me something and you need that so you can be established and you can be a strong Christian and you can grow and you can continue to preach the gospel and you can get out and do the works of Christ. That's why he longs to see him. And he says that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. And so it makes you feel better when you can get with believers who believe on the same level that you do. Who understand the word the way you do. That don't think you're crazy because of your prayers. And don't think you're silly because you give all of this to God. It makes you feel better. We need to be fortified and comforted together by our mutual faith. 
Now I would not have you ignorant brother that oftentimes I purposed to come to you but was led otherwise that I might have some fruit among you also even as among the Gentiles. So he's in his heart he's wanted to come for a while but God led him otherwise. In other words he was not graced to come to them. See he was not graced to come to them at other times. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. In other words, he says, I've got a lot of people that i got to go see to pay off my debt to God. Amen. So as much as is in me is I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So he's been wanting to come and he says that. He says for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's another grace that's given us. Grace to not be ashamed of God and his gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in this is the righteousness of God revealed. The preaching of the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Now if people don't, after you talk to them about the Lord, if they don't understand that God's holy, there's something wrong with your gospel. Righteousness of God is revealed in the preaching of the gospel. Not that homosexuals will be in heaven one day. Not that everybody can be saved no matter where you you can still be a homosexual and be a Christian. That's not what that's not the gospel, you see. The same sin that separates the fornicator and the drug addict and the adulterer and the liar is the same sin that separates the homosexual and must be repented of before they can receive the grace of God for salvation. He says for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith. And so the apostle Paul by the grace of God he says is able to do these things. So we're going to understand more I think about what grace is and and how it's imparted and what it can do what it can't do. How far it can take you in life and in the uh, different components. So the word grace really means the divine influence on the heart. The Greek word, the the root of the Greek word is really charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. That's the same word that they use for gift, blessing, Let me find it here. D484. Also means favor. It means acceptable. It means favor or gift or grace. also refers to the divine influence on the heart and its reflection in the life of the person that's influenced by it. So grace would be a spiritual force 
It's not some ooze or it's not just a nice word or it's not a word that just makes you feel good. Sometimes when we hear the word grace we think freebie. You got me? Like it's oh it's easy it's free it just came for nothing. You know unmerited favor. Well in the sense that you can never earn this it's unmerited. You see you can never earn it. In your own strength and by human fleshly works. But it is earned through faith. Hmm? See it's unmerited in that there's nothing you can give of equal value that would justify your having it. Let me say it again. There's nothing you of yourself of your carnal self that you can give that would justify you receiving it that's of equal value. This is something way beyond your ability to give. So it has to be understood and accepted as part of God's command to you, part of God's will for you, and part of God's uh, essence that comes to abide in you and in your life. To be gracious means to be disposed to be kind. That means that person has already made up their mind to do this. You don't have to convince them. You don't have to try and influence. They're already disposed to be kind. Got me? So if one is gracious that means he's already made up his mind that he's going to show kindness. But they're also will be rules or laws that must be followed so that these things can be disposed or bestowed upon you. For instance, by grace you are saved just because God drops it on everybody? No, you have to extend your faith toward him. See there's a rule there. There's a clause there. Other than that everybody would get a free ride in everything. There would be no reason for the commandments. There would be no reason. There would be no structure to the kingdom. So by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. That's the gift of God. So the faith comes because every man's dealt a measure of it. And you use your measure toward God instead of toward whatever else you've been using it toward. So you decide to trust God and use your faith to obey what he commands you to do. So there's no wimpy oozy thing here folks. This is no just he's just there for you and you just slop it all up and lay around in it and gets all over you and life's easy. It ain't about that. It's hardly about that. Grace is the force of God that enables you to be able to obey him. 
So when you first come to God you come through him believing what you've been told about him. Hopefully the truth of the gospel has come to your ears. And you come to him and you ask him believing and trusting that he will do what it is that you've requested him to do. First thing we do is we ask for salvation. Your life's so bad you can't do any worse so you ask Jesus Christ into your heart. And so God extends his grace to you or the divine enablement or divine impartation to receive his son as your savior and your Lord. And so whatever you understand that that relationship involves is what you participate in. Some people are told you come to Jesus and your life will be easy. And then you experience difficulties and problems and you wonder what's wrong. I was told this and I was told that. And then you find another scripture that says in the world you will have truth. And then you say oh okay well I understand it now. And so the grace that you had to receive that which you believed when you was when it was first preached to you that enablement has taken really you as far as it can take you and now you need to extend more faith for more grace got me so it's grace for grace once you've operated in a level of grace that he's given you initially and your faith brought that to you and you hit that wall where that won't, knowledge won't take you any farther. You've got to extend more faith to go another step and another step and another step. And so then we see that grace is a discrete spiritual force. You're not graced to do everything. No, I think I'll just go and and preach over here and go preach over there. And you get over there and you're not received. Well, you weren't graced to do that. Grace is discreet. It's discreet according to what God thinks that you should have for the task that you're being given. Or the need that you may have in your life. If you are graced by God you are accepted by him and highly favored. All this is true. The word grace also means to have a miraculous faculty or, or the ability somewhere in you to believe the impossible is possible. And that comes from God. He can come from the world because the world will only take you as far as what you can see. But in you somewhere is the, the, the ability to understand a miracle or to hope for a miracle or to believe for the impossible that's in you somewhere because of the grace of God. So this divine ability and this divine empowerment gives you hope for something more than the mere natural. See, it takes you over into the supernatural of God and the miraculous of God. Because you need that to get beyond the everyday life. And this is why many times people can abide in unbelief. They'll get stuck in a denomination that doesn't believe this and doesn't believe that and doesn't believe. Because they frustrate the grace of God with their unbelief. 
See, when, when the Spirit of God comes into you, say for instance you've only been told about being born again. You don't know anything about the baptism in the Holy Spirit or anything like that. But you've got bondages in your life. You're bound by drugs. Or you're bound by fear. Or bound by one thing or another. The grace that you had to receive that empowerment from God has taken you thus far. But then there's something on the inside of you that says, now this is as much as I know here. But there's got to be something more. Grace is what enables you to reach out and know that there's something more or suspect there's something more or at least inquire there's something more. So you have been graced to think outside of the box of normal Christianity. And instead of frustrating the grace of God because grace of God is telling you and nudging you that there is more. See, there's a divine enablement in you to believe for more. More what? More of what you just got. If that grace, that that divine enablement took me this far, maybe there's farther that it can take me. Maybe it can take me to get rid of all of my problems and not just the one. And so then that discreet grace that you had now expands into something that enables you to believe for more but then that's discreet as well you know what I mean when I say discreet it's limited in its scope and it's limited in its ability it just you just just what you need at that time that's how much you get you got me so grace isn't like a big sliding board where you can just and get everything you want like picking apples off a tree one day it's highly intelligent and it it conforms to the restrictions of the word the limitations of the word the more word you believe the more grace you receive so that you'll see some people have, don't have a problem believing anything you know they just can hook up with you in your your plan and your ability because they've experienced life with God and they've been enabled to participate in some of these things and then they have an experience and that experience works what hope the Bible says so that's the only thing that's different is that person has a bigger Uh, a bigger picture of what God can do because their experience has given them hope for more you see it doesn't limit it to and close it in so that it's unattainable it expands their ability to believe because they can see more they can see that God can do more so God's influence on the human heart is always to expand our vision increase our hope Increase our abilities in him. A person who has been touched with the grace of God. Is then empowered to be able to extend that grace to others. So when, when the supernatural of God comes into your life. You have the ability to be able to carry out the activities 
that God God has called you to do in a certain arena. You do these things by grace. Then take an anointing. Then take you know all this exotic. We want to put labels, heavy, heavy labels on things. Grace is really like an open door. It gives you a sense of empowerment, of freedom, and permission. So it's a sense that God is permitting you to participate. And if you will allow that grace to exhaust itself so to speak it's like you know if you if you go into a room and somebody tells you well <clears throat> i want you to take this furniture cuz i don't need it so you just take as much as you need and you look and you say well dag i could use all of this and so you go in that room and you gather everything that your faith and your desire wants to pull and when that room's empty that your grace is exhausted for that grace is like that it's discreet in that it is it is walled in by the parameters of the word for instance if if you are believing god to supply all of your need well after your needs are fulfilled the grace for that is exhausted and you say oh yeah God I want exceeding and abundantly beyond what I can ask or think and I would like to have abundance so God you'll supply my need and there's another scripture that says you give us life more abundantly and so you'll have some overflow that you can bless somebody else with but that's as much as that scripture will do for you that's why many times people who are saved and understand a few things about God if they get sick they're disturbed because they don't understand that the grace for healing has to come into their understanding of another scripture see salvation does not make healing automatic salvation doesn't make anything automatic just what did you believe when you got saved what did you what did what came to your mind as to what god was doing for you that's what's automatic so you can't take one scripture so to speak and live your whole life out of it you're going to have to get to know god through his word you're going to have to have a relationship with him through his word so in that sense grace is not something that puts you on easy street so to speak like you don't ever have to earn anything you don't have to work at anything you don't work harder at this than you have anything in your life trust me because you're moving from natural thinking to supernatural thinking there are going to be challenges to that within and without and you're going to have to fight and overcome within and without to step over into faith so that that grace for that thing you're believing for can come into your life you got me it's kind of like bubble bursting time folks you know what I'm saying because there's no shortcuts you got me Oftentimes people who hear messages like that are thinking shortcut to something. I don't have to go through the woods. I don't have to get my shoes muddy. I don't have to, you know, (laughs) wonder if I'm going to get there or not. This is the shortcut to everything. It's not. Because it's given to you from the hand of God. You've got to figure out how to get it out of God's hand into your life. 
before it will work for you. Well somebody believes it's the truth. A gracious person has been touched by God. And he is he is God's instrument in the earth to do as God would. That's what grace enables you to do and to be. Whatever God would do and be. It doesn't go beyond that. It's not a free pass to prosperity and health and wealth. Let's get real here. If that were true most of us would have had a long time ago. Because we sure have been looking for the easy, easy road. Huh? But there is no easy. Look at the apostle Paul. And he was flogged everywhere he went. He was stoned. and You know it just come on folks. But yet he spoke grace all the time. He understood grace. He lived the life of the grace of God. When he was persecuted, God wouldn't remove the persecutor. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. What do you mean grace? To to get hit upside the head? Yeah, that too. Hello? Is there a scripture that says that you would have that in life? Well, there's a grace to go through it. Enables you to endure. Hello? Without wincing, complaining, crying, falling out, foaming at the mouth, having a fit. You can go through it graciously. Just like Jesus went through. So when we, we, we then are God's ambassadors here. Grace enables you to be an ambassador for God. And the grace of God is upon us to undertake this job of being his representative. When we undertake it's through his grace. He has imparted to us an empowerment that enables us to represent him. James 4.6 tells us this. That grace is not for the boastful person. It's not for the arrogant person. It's not for the self-confident person. Grace is for the person who freely admits he's unable, he's weak, he's helpless, he's all of the above. Can't do it, God, without you. And he says in <clears throat> he says here in verse six in, in James six verse yeah, 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 yeah. Start in one. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? They come even of your lusts, and the lust that wars in your members. He says, "You lust and have not; you kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. You fight and war, and you still don't have anything because you never ask God for it." In other words, he's saying this. He says most of you are in a, a this kind of a, a mental battle where you want certain things and you keep striving to have them. You never get them. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you're, you're not receiving because you don't ask God for what you want. But then lust is a shame to ask God for it. So you're trying to sneak around and get it without God. Mm-hmm. 
And because you don't get it and you don't ask, when you finally do ask, you ask amiss because you don't repent of the lust in your heart for it. See? This lust tells you that you're supposed to have it. That it's yours. You, somebody's taking somebody not treating you right. It's why you don't have what you're lusting after. And it's never true. If it's something you've asked God for, he'll give it to you. But most of us know when we're barking up the wrong tree. When we want something we're not supposed to have. He says, y'all hoes and hoe mongers out there. Adulterers and adulteresses. Don't you know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Hmm? And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about people that want things and want uh, people. Want relationships that they're not supposed to have. He says you don't have it because you don't ask God for it. And you won't ask God for it because you know it's wrong. He won't give it to you because you're trying to consume it on your lust. You know so many young people and, and single people that you know God I want you to send me the one. They ain't really praying that God sends them somebody. They're looking on their own. Huh? Because if you're waiting on God for something, you're waiting on a, 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 a husband or a wife, or they always say they want to get married and they don't. They just want to lust around. You wait on a husband or wife just like you wait on everything else. Huh? But as long as you're running around looking, giving somebody your phone number, and try to get somebody else's number, you're not waiting on God for anything. You're wasting your time. You're wasting valuable time that God wants to develop you as an ambassador for him. You're wasting your time doing things that you didn't even like doing when you were single. Ask any single sinner. They hate the dating scene. Oh boy. Now I got to go and try to find somebody again. You know. Crazy Christians think it's fun. He says, do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? But he gives more grace. In other words, if that's your problem, then he has more for you to cover that so you don't get stupid for the rest of your life. You just need to humble yourself to him and ask him for it. Jesus, help me. Now I'm about to go out backwards. I've been serving you all these years. And now all of a sudden I find myself single. I'm about to get stupid. So help me. He gives more grace. Uh, where sin abounds m- grace much more so you can't out your sin is not uh, uh, greater than his grace to help you overcome it you just like playing with your toys says wherefore he says God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble you just have to quit telling yourself you deserve something because the devil would love to give it to you. The only thing is the hand of God is restraining him from bashing you between your eyes. He says submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. It's the devil that's telling you you got to have these things. If you resist him he'll run away from you in terror. You don't want that. You want the skank to hang around you all the time. I read read verse 7 again. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he draws nigh to you. 
Huh? So he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Instead of feeling good about the self, the fact that you've got a lust problem, humble yourself and be ashamed of it. Really, any Christian that's entertaining in any kind of fleshly lust ought to be ashamed. I don't care if it's for sex, for things, for material things. You know, some believers just can't wait to get, you know, a little bit of extra money so they can go buy something. You know, we never know how to be empowered financially on this earth to have wealth. Accumulate it because we won't let it accumulate. It just bugs us. You know, we're allergic to real prosperity. I got some money left in there. Oh, yeah. Ouch. I'm going to have to do something with that. Ouch. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, God graciously invites us to work for Him and do His will. That's what salvation really is all about. It's not about just your eternity. But about the fact that you carry eternity inside of you and you have the grace to impart that eternity to others. So his grace enables us to accept his invitation of salvation. Even though you don't feel worthy, even though you're at the worst place in your life, this is a free ticket out of your misery. This is a ticket out of hell. This is a ticket out of your problems. If if this works for you, this will be the beginning of a new life and an answer to prayer for you. So you need grace to accept that. You need his enablement to coax you into receiving it. You need something that tells you it's okay to take this. You ever have somebody want to give you something that's really valuable? And you back up and wonder if you really should take it. You know things like that. I remember Miss Clydell had a fur coat that she gave somebody. And they they thought about it for a minute. And they said you know what I've really been praying. I've been wanting one of these. You know because at first it was. I don't think I should because this is a great thing right here. And then somehow the grace that Miss Clyde was extending to give it touched her and she was able to receive. That's what happens with us. That's what happens in salvation. And I'm telling you many people don't live in this because they don't understand and they've never received so to speak the settling in on the inside of them that says you're okay with God. You're saved and you're okay. They keep this I'm not okay thing about them. And they think somehow that elevates them to a level of holiness because they feel inadequate and not okay. It's a religious spirit. True religious people think they're better than everybody. So that's false religion anyway because in a sense you're trying to make yourself feel better by reminding God that you're not worth it 
and you're not worthy well that's going to backfire on you because you're going to need his grace he's going to tell you to do something extraordinary and you're going to be caught short because you really don't think you can do anything see you've got to understand how to embrace that empowerment and let it take you as far as it'll it'll go and know that if there is something more required he graciously extended that to you and he will graciously extend more to you grace for grace he giveth more grace if you think you're tempted beyond what you're able to bear oh god i can't take this i'm just gonna give in huh he gives more grace huh you're stupid enough to play around the, with the devil and you think that you have no recourse i'm too weak i can't stop i just uh, uh. he gives more grace Called grace for idiots. <laughs> Come on now. Is what I mean. If he saved you out of a total pit the first time, what makes you think now you've grown beyond your need for more grace? See, again, this is religion because many times people think religiously about God. Oh, after I've been a Christian for so long, I shouldn't need this. Well, I'm not going to need this. You need more. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Don't be stupid. What makes you think you don't need more of God? You need to read your word more. You need to pray more. You need to do everything more. Because he's requiring, somewhere in him he's requiring more of you. So more must be done. I realize oftentimes you your spirit gets developed. You have word in your spirit, but you can have word in your spirit and be awful stupid in the decisions that you make because you're presuming something's there that's not there. David prayed that God would keep him from presumptuous sins. God help me not to get so big that I don't think I need you anymore on a day to day basis. I need to pray and ask God to help you to help me to keep my mind focused on you you know there's a place where people get and they cross over a line they need to know where that is and pull themselves back before they cross over instead of crossing over and find you over there in the pit in the mud with the devil all the time you don't have to live there come back over where you're supposed cause he gives you grace to get back over where you're supposed to be if you'll humble yourself to receive it so his grace enables us to accept his invitation the invitation really is a command now this is the thing about grace when when John the Baptist preached the gospel he was the first preacher of the gospel and he told them to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand that was a command you don't get into heaven without turning away from your sin and coming in but because of God's great mercy toward us it comes in the form of like an invitation see when God speaks it it's a command but when you hear it it's an invitation no. Grace does that. 
Only grace does that. If we will obey God, his grace will make it easy to be entreated by the hearer. So it's really a command but it comes across as an invitation. When Jesus found the disciples he said follow me that's a command but it came to them as an invitation. They felt that they were honored to, to, that he would say that. That they were already elevated to a high They made them feel important. It made them feel special. Why? Because that special importance was on it because of the grace of God. The divine influence on your heart turns it into something that's easy for you to be entreated. And it's easy for you to accept it. And you can't manufacture it. Because many times we'll share Christ with people and and feel condemned afterwards because they didn't receive and, and they didn't pray the sinner's prayer and you think well what did I do wrong did I did I say it too rough was I too direct was I too this was I too that and then you think well maybe next time I won't say it like that I'll see you wrong see it's absolutely wrong. You don't you don't dumb down the gospel. That's why we got people ordaining homosexuals now in the church. Cuz we've twisted it and we don't understand the grace of God that it is a command that you live holy. It is a command that you obey God. It is a command that you preach the gospel. It is a command that you make disciples out of all men. And the reason that we don't do it is because we frustrate the grace of God with our thinking, rethinking why certain things or why this or why don't we talk ourselves out of it. And we don't embrace the grace of God just to to go forth and do what he commands you to do. We're always trying to fix something up that God gave to us. You can't fix it up. There's nothing wrong with the gospel. Not the real gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. You spit it out the best way you can. You think God's so limited that you have to fix up everything for people to... to, And he's had this gospel way before you got here and will have it after you leave? You think you're going to come now and fix it up all of a sudden so more people receive it? I don't think so. And see if that's what's hindering you from sharing Christ with people then you're frustrating the grace of God. There's grace to talk to everybody about Jesus every single day. Everybody. There's not a person that's unsaved that you couldn't talk to right here right now if you believe God to fill your mouth with the words but we frustrate the grace of God because we're so busy putting us into the equation again well that's there's no humility there there's a lot of pride there you think you're so important that the way that you said the words to somebody kept them from receiving You're graced to be able to do these things. But you got to humble yourself. See when we're in pride we think well you know I got to get this straightened out. Because oh you know God's going to do this and God's going to do that. No you just humble yourself and God could you please use me today. 
find somebody who wants needs you and needs a touch from just use me today Lord to say what you want me to say to somebody who really needs to hear from you and don't have no bright ideas man we got enough people running around with that like a disease so whenever the invitation to the gospel is extended God graces the person the hearer to be able to receive it to accept his invitation into a better life I think I shared the time I was at a a street crusade and um, I think it was Bishop Quander Wilson. He had a uh, he has Bishop is an overseer of um, I think it's I don't want to say church. It's either Church of God, Church of God in Christ, or somebody like that. He's an overseer in the Cleveland, in Ohio, a number of churches under his ministry. Well, they had blocked the street off in Cleveland. They were having a, a you know a, a they were having a revival type meeting you know, evangelistic meeting and and um he was preaching and he was just you know well that's my story and you know if anybody wants to come up we'll pray for you to receive christ and so i'm standing there and i'm thinking to myself i said you know i barely knew what he was talking about myself you know you know judging hmm? judging Instead of humbling myself and observing, judging. See, whenever you're in the the company of God's saints, you're there to learn. You're there to pick up. You're there to observe what God has. You you can grow tremendously if you let God show you while you're there instead of trying to evaluate everything. And we're standing there and, you know, for a while nobody comes. And then all of a sudden... You know, part of the street that they blocked off, there was a bar in the blocked off area. These two drunks come stumbling out of the the bar, weeping and crying. And I'm thinking, how did they hear it all the way in there? They're responding to the gracious invitation given by the man of God who has received the grace of God and knows how to work his program within the parameters that God's given him and use his faith for somebody to respond to that invitation. Then sometimes it makes you wonder. Sometimes you see all this woo 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 preaching and people hopping up and down. You know, then people really say, <laughs> "You understand what I'm saying?" I mean, I mean, what are we doing over here? This is this is so simple and so plain and so direct and so powerful, and we get people over here come twice a week. They built this great facility. They're doing all these wonderful things, and they can't live right you wonder you wonder you wonder so that grace was extended to them and they heard it all the way in there and felt confident to come to the altar and this one little man was so dirty and I remember him crying and and, you know his face is full of tears and snot and everything else and I thought my God you just really know what you're doing you know you really know what you're doing because that grace was extended to him 
I've been in churches where they'd have an altar call for salvation and nobody wanted to come forward and the pastor would tell you ask the person next to you if they're saved ask them this you know you'd start grilling people well you got more hostility you know because you weren't even friendly to them the whole service and they weren't friendly to you and now you got a hostile mob on your hand nobody gets saved that way either gimmicks instead of grace it's just understanding the simple gospel and the grace and believing that God you sent me here to do this and there must be somebody out there who needs you and I just want them to feel comfortable to come up and receive so grace is an enabling force it's very very powerful grace will have you cut through your own mental limitations as to whether you'll do something or not because God has told you to do it it, it, it empowers you to move beyond yourself there is a command in every invitation of God folks there's people somehow they must feel compelled or else they wouldn't respond so there's got to be a a, a place where a decision you're compelled to make a decision about that you just can't leave it there not comfortably so his invitation is really a command number one because there is a covenant that requires certain obedience on our part before this grace is extended and also because of his position he's the ruler he's the king he's God and so his words cannot be argued down they can't be resisted they must be respected or there's a penalty for not obeying them you got me so it's not like some big easy party thing to do you know grace it's not that way it's if you respect the rules and you you do what God tells you to do this is extended to you so don't ever think it's a cheap commodity or it's just laying around here and nobody understands it and it's real easy to do things built into his grace is the respect for his position as God grace enables us to respond to the invitation once the decision is made to say yes to what the Lord is requiring then the grace is there to carry out whatever he tells you to do so we use that same grace that's extended to respond and to carry out what he tells us to do Ephesians 2.8 tells us by grace we are saved enabled made whole delivered through faith whatever you receive your faith must be extended into that before it comes to you so you have to withdraw your faith from the natural and then begin to invest it in the supernatural and then that faith is not of yourself it is the gift of God lest any man should boast because once the boasting starts the grace lifts one way to frustrate the grace of God is by boasting in yourself 
patting yourself on the back. It's very expensive. He says this is not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works with God ordained before that we should walk in them. So you're not the grace doesn't help you do anything you want to do. It's discreet and it, it, it functions with certain parameters and enables you to do the will of God and the will of God only. You want to do what you want to do, stay outside of the covenant. This is for covenant people. Grace enables God to make the decision making easy. Grace enables us to bear the weight of the decision, responsibility and all those things. For instance, many times you look back and well, when I was first saved, I was just saying, I was so excited about serving God and I just said yes to everything. If I had only known, <laughs> you know, <laughs> huh. yeah, you were graced to not know everything. Huh? It's like being married. You don't know everything that's going to happen in a marriage. You have no clue. So you do these things by faith. And then God extends to you the divine ability to carry out your end of it. Our problem comes we try to carry out somebody else's stuff. You think about the things you've accomplished as part of your service to God through through the gospel. I mean what are you doing for God in the gospel? You look at what you've been able to do. Uh, in the 18 years that we've had the conferences. We have not missed a conference. We haven't come short where we had to cancel anything. We've had speakers not show up and God replaced them with people that did. We've had all kinds of things happen. But we were able to do this twice a year, year after year after year. Well if somebody had told me when we first did it I was just trying it to see if we could. And then when we could I was shocked to see that we could. You got me? And God said do it again. And, and, And that's how it goes. Grace is discreet. It takes you as far as you can believe God. But then when you look back over the years and you say well we've really done this over and over every year. We've been able to bring the people God told us to bring. To tell them about prophetic ministry and the ministry of the watchman. Let it not be a mystery to people. Let people quit you know, making fun and saying we're Jehovah's Witnesses and all this stupid stuff. And just accept, you know, no this is God and we're here and we're going to stay. You're trying to establish something in God folks. You're not trying to be somebody else. You're just trying to do you. You know, we do the watchmen. We don't do what everybody else does. So, you know, years later when you look back, you somehow say yes to something that you look back and that was impossible if you had known everything that <clears throat> that you would face to get there. So you said yes to an impossible job. Well, his grace enabled you to say a sincere yes. And a heartfelt yes. This wasn't just a yes so that you can go along with the crowd. Or it wasn't a yes because everybody in your denomination says you have to do it. 
It was a heartfelt yes. Grace enables us to say yes to things we have no skills, ability, understanding or experience with. You just say yes to it and you trust God. You let God know that your faith is being invested in him to make that yes a reality and not be a lie. I don't want it to be a lie that I told God I was going to do this for him. I want it to work. Grace also includes the faith needed to depend on God for help. When you get to a, 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 a brick wall, you've got to find something in you that tells you that God will remove this wall and you can trust him to get you through it. That's not the end of it. Once you receive the grace of God, learn to abide in it. Don't come up for air and want to pat yourself on the back or blow your own horn. Just abide in it. Get the job done. Understand how you did it. And make yourself available to do it again. Don't ever allow God to enable you and then you quit. You say that. I didn't want to do that. It was too hard for me. Because you don't have regrets about the grace of God. Don't don't defile it by sticking a regret on there. Grace influences our minds. Helps us to make decisions. Through grace you're able to tap into the thoughts of God. This is not an anointing folks. When you talk about the anointing it's specific to doing the work of of confirming the gospel with signs following. Grace enables you from the inside to yield to God. To trust God. You see you sometimes you'll talk to people that are Christians. And they can't believe like you do. You got me? You, you The things that you believe God for are so easy. You know because you've received the grace for that. Right? Because they, they don't understand what that is. All they know is I'm saved and I go to church. But they don't go beyond that. They don't, they don't feel empowered. They don't feel enabled. They're not motivated. They don't want to do it. They just want to do what they do. That's, that's their understanding of what a Christian is. A Christian who, who lives in God's grace understands far more than somebody that just, you know, I said a prayer, I joined a church. You know, I work in there sometimes. You know, I'm an usher, except when I have family vacations and when I don't want to do it. And you know, that's why sometimes churches have to have like 300 greeters because they're all part time. There's nobody really devoted to. It's the truth. Now, the person in charge might be the one person that is there every Sunday. You know, how can you be a leader, responsible person? You're not there every week. I don't understand that. An absent leader. Boy we need more of that don't we. 
But the grace of God is the divine influence on your mind. Can tap into the ideas that God has for you. Now if you're trying to take credit for everything this won't happen for you. You're just in the flesh and you're trying to boast in yourself and you know you feel real powerful and it's like you know men that you know they're sitting there in front of the TV with the remote and like Al what's his name the married with children Al Bundy (laughs) looking like Al Bundy and they go in the garage and strap on some tools and they all of a sudden turn into Macho, yeah, I'm gonna go in and drill and <laughs> don't let your tools get you in the flesh, huh? Because <laughs> you still, we saw what you just did over there. You wasn't nobody but Al Bundy sitting on that couch a minute ago, just strapping on tools. Don't make you a great carpenter. Mm-hmm. But the grace of God will if you humble yourself to receive it. Mm-hmm. Get on your knees and ask God which tools to use for what. and So he can make something out of you. Mm-hmm. So grace is discreet. It's limited to God's will for you. He will grace you to do what he wants you to do. And you'll know for a certainty because you'll pick up and want to go do something else. And you think, oh, this is a good idea. And get excited in the flesh and go try to do something else. And it fizzles. I would always warn people when they get involved in the ministry if God would let them preach some. You know, just stay with God. Stay with where he wants you to be. And don't try to go run and do this everywhere. And time and time again they get in trouble somewhere. You know I was laying hands on somebody and you know they didn't get their heel. And I bet you were embarrassed. You thought it was you. Hmm? Now humble people can pray for everybody everywhere. See pretty much. And God knows your heart. When the minute you get in pride that grace lifts. And the grace is really what, what enables the anointing to settle on you. It won't settle on flesh. You got to be graced to do what God wants you to do first. Grace enables you to get there. The right place at the right time. So the anointing can meet you there. You know, people want to go to China and want to go to India and want to go to this place and that place. They won't go to church regularly. Well, if God can't depend on you to be there to learn something to take to China and India, how are you going to go and do all of that stuff? They don't allow the grace to take them where God wants them to go and be consistent in it. Hmm. So the gifts that God bestows upon us to do the work, the anointing, they're not our possessions but they are on loan to us through the grace of God. So then the command of God that's given to us becomes an inner direction or pull 
So you can say then that grace is actually the leading of the Holy Spirit. Wherever he pulls and tugs you to go or he leads you to go. That's where you've been graced to function. You'll function there. It's really an, an impetus, an inner impetus or leading or an unction. Now if where you're led to requires the anointing. Then the anointing will be there to meet you and further enable you to do what God wants you to do. So for instance your day starts off with getting up going to work. God's grace enables you to get up healthy in one piece in a a proper spirit to go in there and do a good job. All of that stuff you have been graced because the unbeliever has to struggle. You know the unbeliever I mean they may have developed some some routine and habits that kind of keep them being faithful to the job. But number one when they get there they're not ten times better than a sinner that does that job like you are. His grace enables you to do ten times a better job than any unbeliever. It also allows you to be able to handle persecution with a smile. Most of those people don't even want you to show up. They wish you would lose your job. And many are plotting to take your job away from you. But you can go in there and function and do your job even in the midst of your enemies. It enables you to do more for a boss that don't like you. And they're not being fair to you when they heap more work on you. Enables you to bear up under that. So the grace of God is there on you folks. It, it, it enables you to get where you need to go. To get there in one piece. To get there in a sound mind. To get there in a, uh, a way that's going to help you. And, and, and give you the ability to do everything that you need to do. The grace of God helps you to, to handle disappointments with, with cheer, with joy. Amen. Count it all joy when these things happen to you. Amen. Amen. I remember we had a, you know, I'd worked very hard when we have our meetings in Cleveland. Worked very hard, got the stuff, you know, food made and I asked the you know younger people to pack the van and let's get it there and got there and they opened a van door and all that food spilled out just wasted you know time labor effort all that because just on the ground and I thought to myself I said you know what devil I said I'm really mad at you I said I stay mad at you anyway but I'm really mad at you I said, now I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, but God is going to find a way to strangle you, rob you, and put it in my pocket in Jesus' name. That's you not taking this away from me. And talk about wanting to kill the people that did it. I wanted, I wanted blood that day, but I made up my mind I would abide in the grace of God. You make a decision. And I said, Lord, just get me through to where I can preach and where I can just keep going and where I can function. I said, and we'll think about this later. And so I was able to do that. And I I found that God, because you make these decisions to let his divine empowerment rule, 
you let divine empowerment rule. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that people don't need to be told when they're wrong. You got me? But that was not the time. It was time for me to preach. Let's recover. Let's get what we can get. And my my efforts were offered to the Lord anyway. And he's not going to let the devil steal them. You don't let people frustrate you. Because they're being careless or whatever. You know you tell people they need to be careful. You tell them how to do things properly as unto the Lord. Because there is a grace to do your job right. You got me? It's always a grace to do it right as unto the Lord. And so when these things happen you have to find a place in God where you can abide in his mind. You got me? We got a big day ahead of me and I got to do the preaching and I got to do the altar work and I can't be mad at nobody. You got me? So we got to cut this off and let's move on. And so when, when you understand the enablement of God to override these things that would upset you and try and ruin your day. You see? The enemy's always trying to ruin your day. Trying to upset things. He's trying to keep things on a level of let's just stop and, and uh, go on and on about this. But we're not going to do it. We're going to just let it be what it is. Give it to the Lord. Forgive. Keep going. And let's go on and let's have a good day in God like we intended to have. So our grace is discreet. It's limited to God's will. So I decided I stay in what was God's will for me that day. So he will grace you to do what he wants you to do. And we need to learn how to stay humble to it and not try to possess it as something that's ours. It's not yours. It's still the divine empowerment of God. After you receive it then it it will prompt you in your inner man. Many times we don't get grace for God in certain other areas because we're not using fully what he's provided in some that we already <clears throat> received. For instance, if God if you you're married, God has graced you to obey his word as far as your marriage is concerned. If you are a um, whatever your employment is, he's graced you to do an excellent job and your employee he doesn't want any of his kids doing barely enough or just you know that kind of he doesn't want you a slothful servant an eye servant any of that kind of stuff he's graced you to do an excellent job wherever and to to let it be recognized it'll be known as excellent you see and you know you won't do the best you can and then get a bad evaluation God will grace you to be able to let it be known as a matter of record that you're doing an excellent job. There's no such thing as a good employee who gets fired. Huh? Something's wrong somewhere. So you need to go back to God and, and find out where you need to pray and get his enablement for what it is that you're doing. Hmm? You may have to work harder. 
So I remember <clears throat> when um, my my husband was, you know, he was always planning his next job, his next promotion, his next move in the company. It was always a new move, a new move, and a new move. And then when it got closer to him to retire, he said, well, you know, I don't think I want to want another promotion he said I'm just, I'm just going to do this and coast that's not God really? <laughs> it's really not Mm-mm, never he always has increase in mind he always has increase in mind you increase in the stature of Christ if you, you know, let yourself be made, uh, you want to qualify for something more in your job, you know, you, you, the increase comes because God wants you to increase. You don't set your own standards for something that he's been setting the standards for all these years. You got me? You don't take the, the reins over into your hands. And so God always wants us to increase. Always. That coasting, you know, I've been doing this for so long and I'm not going to extend myself anymore. It's almost time for me to don't do that because it's probably not God. In fact, it's never God. Because God wants you to increase. Why would he be inconsistent with you now? Hmm? He's been with you all these time. You've been calling the shots. But now all of a sudden we want to take the direction and control from him. Because we think we see a way where we can have it easy. Less stress. Well, there's no stress in his grace. If he's graced you to be able to do these things, there's no stress there. There's just finding the grace in God to do it. If it's been taxing for you, it's because you need to find a better place in God where these things come easier for you. His yoke is easy and his burdens light. We make it hard on ourselves. And so these things are are very, very important for us to understand because growth is growth. Growth is growth. And some people don't understand. I I know that his work was uh, 90% of his life. You know, I mean a big part of his life was his work. And when you let that go, what do you replace it with? You see, you just can't do that. Not not easily. And so sometimes you need development. You know sometimes a, a job will keep you trying to improve there. Will keep you uh, in the grace of God and the mercy of God. And it will be easier for you to extract other things from God with your faith. Sometimes that's a building block for your healing that you need. Or it's the building block for something else that you need. You don't call the shots. You're not wise enough to tell God when you've got enough and when you don't want to do this and when you don't want to do that. You know, you're not that wise. And frustrate the grace of God because we think, well, you know, this is this is fine with me. It's not fine with God. Hmm? It's not fine with God. God has vision that He's put in people. He has focus he has hope he has projects he has creations he has inventions he has all those things where would the world be if Bill Gates had said he had enough at a certain point or uh, uh, what's his name that passed away yes Steve Jobs if he had had enough 
That man work almost kept him alive a few more years. You got me? And so the in work is purpose. In work is grace. Enablement to do the extraordinary. Because God is the enabler. So we'll finish this up next week. Amen. Father in heaven we thank you for understanding and for knowledge and for power. That we know that we are empowered by your grace. It's not just something fun that we can feel irresponsible because we receive it. But there is great responsibility when we receive divine empowerment. And so we thank you Lord for the opportunity to demonstrate this to you in a great way every day by depending upon you and trusting you for our needs we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name Amen praise God if you need prayer 